today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. The whole world was tuning in at their Super Bowl party. It was the main event. And here we are all these years later. Who remembers? Right? Nobody knows, right? That's what he's saying. There's no remembrance of former things, and yet we put so much stock into those things. You know how much money, time, energy went into that, yet there's no remembrance of that. That's the point. That's what life is like. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Ecclesiastes. Can you think of a time in your life where you were extremely invested in a certain event, like the Super Bowl or maybe the Olympics? More often than not, even our most cherished memories all but fade. In today's message, Pastor J.D. reflects on how we all too often invest time, emotions, and money into that which will be remembered no more. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 1 with his continuing study called Ignorance Isn't Bliss Forever. If all of your labor is for profit, all of your toil is under the sun, S-U-N, that's the problem. However, if it's under the sun, S-O-N, no problem. Then it has meaning. It has purpose. There is profit for all eternity. Verse 4, one generation passes away and another generation comes, but the earth abides forever. The sun also rises, verse 5, and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it arose. The wind goes toward the south and turns around to the north. The wind whirls about continually and comes again on its circuit. All the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full to the place from which the rivers come. There they return again. This is speaking to how life is so cyclical. It's just a cycle. One generation comes, one generation goes. New generation comes, that generation goes. Here comes the other generation. Sure enough, just like the sun is going to rise and set, and it's going to hurry back. (laughs) I like the imagery. It's going to rise again. It's going to set again. It's just a cycle. The rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full. I like that imagery too. Again, it speaks to just the emptiness of life. And even with how cyclical life is, it just is almost this mundane, routine emptiness with meaninglessness. Verse 8, all things are full of labor. Man cannot express it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing nor the ear filled with hearing. This is basically saying it's never enough. I forget who who it was, but this very wealthy man 
who had just untold riches, was asked the question of how much is enough, to which he answered just a little bit more. There's never a satisfying. And again, that's by design. It's been subjected to this frustration where enough is never enough, because it leaves you still wanting, still seeking, still searching. I think about the lady at the well, and she meets the Savior of the world, and He says to her, you're going to continue to thirst when you drink from this water, but if you drink of the water that I have to offer, you will never thirst again. In other words, the water that I have, in the spiritual sense, will satiate that thirst in your soul. And again, it's a catalyst, a deliberate subjecting to this that makes you want the one, the only one that can satisfy that in your life. Verse 8, Oh, we already did verse 8. Verse 9. That which has been is what will be. That which is done is what will be done. (laughs) And there is nothing new under the sun. That's a saying, right? Nothing new under the sun. That's where it came from. I think we'd all be shocked if we really knew how many sayings actually originated from Scripture. That's one of them. Verse 10, is there anything of which it may be said, see, this is new. (laughs) It has already been in ancient times before us. I I think of that saying again, if it's, uh, I'm going to totally botch it. This is why I use notes, by the way. Anyway, I totally forgot it, so I'll just remember it at 2 a.m. and I'll send you all an email. It'll, It'll come back to me. After the Bible study, of course. Verse 11. I'm still trying to think of it. (laughs) It's going to really bug me. You know how that is when it really bugs you and you can't? Verse 11. There is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of things that are to come by those who will come after. I just thought of it. If it's not, if it's true, it's not new. And if it's new, it's not true. Oh, thank you, Lord. Let that sink in. Nothing new under the sun. If it's true, it's not new. And if it's new, it's not true. It's been in ancient times before. Nothing new under the sun. There's no remembrance of former things. You know what this is speaking to and about? Well, let me ask you a question. I don't even know the answer to this, but just, I think it makes the point. Who won the gold medal for the 100-yard dash in the last Olympics? If somebody knows this, we're going to, does anybody know? Huh? You, you know that, Terry? Okay, wait, thank you so much for destroying my whole... <laughs> Other than Terry. Think about this. Okay. Okay, guys, your turn. 
Who won the Super Bowl in 1998? Oh, somebody better. If you know this, do say that you know this. You get the point, right? It's long forgotten, but boy, not in 1998. The whole world was tuning in at their Super Bowl party. It was the main event. And here we are all these years later. Who remembers? Right? Nobody knows, right? That's what he's saying. There's no remembrance of former things, and yet we put so much stock into those things. You know how much money, time, energy went into that? Yet there's no remembrance of that. That's the point. That's what life is like. We put so much stock into this world and the things of this world, and it will be remembered no more. You know, I I truly believe we're the last generation, and I believe in my lifetime I will be raptured, that the rapture will precede my death. At least I hope so. I don't want to speak too soon here, but, but think about this. The generations prior, who remembers? Long gone. A life, as it's been said, is soon past, but only that which was done for Christ will last. Verse 12, I, the preacher, was king over Israel in Jerusalem, and I set my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all that is done under heaven, this burdensome task God has given to the sons of man by which they may be exercised. It almost sounds cruel, doesn't it? This burdensome task that God has burdened man with, this labor, this toil. Well again, it's almost like God in His grace is saying, I have to let you come to this place by going through this. Because unless you have gone through the burdensome task, the laboring, the toiling, the realizing that it's all emptiness, you would never find your fullness in me. Unless you had been subjected to that again. And notice too, he says in verse 13 that he set his heart. You've heard that expression, just trust in your own heart. Just follow your heart. Don't do that. Jeremiah says the heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? You know, it's, it's that searching within. You know, I got to find myself. No, you don't. You're right there. I found you. You're right there. What do you mean you got to find yourself? I got to look within, deep within, but don't, no you don't. You've heard that expression, right? If your eyes are on yourself, you're depressed. If your eyes are on others, you're distressed. But if your eyes are on the Lord, you're blessed. I know that's kind of dorky, but it's true, right? You know, you, you look in and, and what do you find? A deceitfully wicked heart. You find a sinful, selfish soul. You find a wretch of a sinner. I think about the Apostle Paul, and and depending on the translation that you read it in, it almost sounds noble. I know that there in me dwells no good thing. (laughs) 
what's, wow, that's, wow, such humility. No, what he's, you know what he's saying? I am rotten to the core. There's nothing, I looked inside, I don't want anybody to see what I saw. Because when I looked inside, what I saw was depravity, sinfulness, a wretch. Don't look within. (laughs) Don't search your own heart. Don't trust in your own heart. We just learned about that in the book of Proverbs. Verse 14, I have seen all the works that are done under the sun, and indeed all is vanity and grasping for the wind. Try to catch in your hand, get a handful of wind. How's that working out for you? That's what he's saying. Verse 15 is interesting. What is crooked cannot be made straight, and what is lacking cannot be numbered. What does that mean? Stay with me on this. There are just some things in life, in this fallen, sinful, evil world, that you're just not going to be able to reconcile. I I can't figure this out. I can't straighten this out. I I can't make this balance out. Again, that's by design. There are some things this side of heaven that are just not going to square up. Not going to be able to make sense out of them. Not this side of heaven. I mean, there are just some things that some questions, a lot of why questions, that we will never have answered this side of glory. And that's by design. I think it's Deuteronomy 29, 29, the secret things of the Lord belong to the Lord thy God. And in other words, there are just something, and it's kind of like with your little children, when they, they ask all those why questions, you know, why is the sky blue? Well, because blue is the color of divinity. Why? Well, because, you know, God likes blue. And then, well, why does God like blue? Because, you, you know, and, and so why, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. The more why questions you try to answer, the more why questions they're going to ask. And think about it. How is God, who is infinite, going to answer the finite it's, I almost imagine it like this, and I hope this isn't too, uh, uh, for lack of a better way of illustrating it, it's almost like God saying, I, I would so love to explain why to you, why that happened, why I allowed this to happen, but even if I tried, you wouldn't be able to fathom it. So it'd be kind of like trying to explain quantum physics to a six-year-old. They couldn't possibly comprehend it. So you've got an infinite God answering and pouring out to a finite being, and it cannot contain, because we're finite. And we, I think in, in, in heaven, for all eternity, we're told that we're going to be learning of Him. Let that sink in, for all eternity. So for the first trillion years, I know there's not years in heaven, but we're going to be, we're going to have, in other words, plenty time in heaven. Oh, that's why. Wow. No wonder you couldn't tell me. I would have, I would have just went, I wouldn't have got it. 
Now I get it. Some things just can't be made straight. You just can't square them up. You can't figure them out. Look, he says, <laughs> this is verse 16, I, co- I communed with my heart. This again is him looking within, trusting in his own heart, saying, look, I have attained greatness and have gained more wisdom than all who were before me in Jerusalem. My heart has understood great wisdom and knowledge. And I set my heart, verse 17, to know wisdom and, get this, to know madness and folly. I perceive that this also is grasping for the wind. In other words, you know that saying, been there, done that, and bought the t-shirt? That's, I think it started with Solomon. I tried everything. I've been there, I've done that, it doesn't satisfy. It's like trying to grasp the wind with your hand. I even descended into madness, into insanity and folly. I drunk deep from the cup of foolishness, and even that. And then on the other side of that, I I was given this wisdom unlike any before me or any after me. And even that, again, by design, because in that grasping of the wind with your hand, you realize there's only one who will satisfy. And by the way, it's not what, it's who. I like how one said it, you climb the ladder of success all your life, laboring and toiling and staying up late and waking up early, eating the bread of painful labors, seeking, trying to, you know, produce wealth and make a profit. You're climbing that ladder only to realize that the ladder you're climbing is up against the wrong wall. And then once you get to the top, realize, what was that all about? I have yet to meet somebody at the end of their life, and I've been at the bed of a dying man and woman many times as a pastor, and I've been there as they've taken their last breath in this life, and their first breath in eternity, and I've yet to meet anyone who came to the end of their life and ever regretted or ever said anything like, I wish I would have spent more time working. Never met anybody like that, and I never will, for this reason. And then lastly, verse 18. This to me is, and I want to just expound on it for just a moment, because it really does speak to where we're at in the world today. He says, for in much wisdom is much grief, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. Think this through with me. As Christians, especially for those of us who are students of Bible prophecy and we are, you know, well aware of what the Bible says is going to happen at the time of the end and we see it happening and we know what's coming. We know what's coming upon this world. You know, I was uh, yesterday uh, out and about running errands and uh, I wore my mask because I want to, because the person I want to move closer to Jesus is wearing a mask. 
And I'll even ask them, you know, through my mask, and I, I speak loud, because you, you, it, when you talk through a mask, it's like, so I, I enunciate. I say, hey, how are you doing with the mask? They're like, whoa, yeah, I hate wearing this thing. I know, I, so do I. Yeah, I have a hard time breathing. So do I. <laughs> it's kind of like, hey, I'll pray that you have a, a blessed rest of the day. I'll just pray for you. I promise you that everybody that's been through that checkout line is so irritable and cranky and agitated and irritated, and they take it out on the poor person behind the counter. They're just doing their job. They have to wear the mask too. You think they want to? You go through that line and just encourage them, bless them, say you're going to pray for them. I promise you that'll be a game changer for them. So anyway, I'm out and about, and I'm watching people, and I'm looking at everybody and framing everyone that I'm looking at through the lens of, I wonder if they know the Lord. Because if they don't know the Lord, they don't know what's coming. They don't know what's about to happen. And so I pray for them. And it's not, it doesn't even have to be a, an elaborate prayer. I just pray, Lord, I, I just pray that they'll come to a saving knowledge of you. I pray that you'll send somebody into their lives that will lead them to you while there's still time. Lord, I pray for their salvation. Sometimes I pray for their salvation. Salvation, Lord, for them, for him, for her. And it's, but see, that's what comes packaged with knowledge. It's this, can I call it sanctified sorrow? Because you know, you are keenly aware of what's coming. And with that increased knowledge, and the world knows nothing of this, by the way. They're ignorant of this. And they just go on their merry way, like nothing's going to happen. And that's what Solomon is saying. The more you know, the more sorrow, the more grief. And again, it's a sanctified sorrow, and it's by design. It's a subjecting. Because it's that very sorrow, that very grief that drives us to reach out to those who don't know Jesus so that they will know Jesus. And then they too can have much knowledge with sorrow too about what's, what's coming. <laughs> no. You get the point. When you know there is that, that can I say godly sorrow? Again, a sanctified sorrow by design. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of In Spirit and Truth. Pastor J.D. has been teaching through the book of Ecclesiastes, both challenging us to seek the lasting things and encouraging us to look at how we spend our days. Throughout the book of Ecclesiastes, we get a peek into the mind of its writer and how he lived. We see how he tried everything the world had to offer, and it still left him feeling empty. In fact, he writes that all he sought was in vain. Can you relate? Do you find yourself seeking the things of the world? Are you putting your hope in the meaninglessness and empty things of the world? If so, be encouraged. You don't have to spend your days wondering where your help comes from. Scripture tells us it comes from the Lord. 
So seek Him and He will fill you afresh. We hope today's message has been encouraging to you in your walk with Jesus. If you're wrestling in your walk, though, we'd love to pray for you. Just visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and click on Contact under the About tab. We'd love to hear from you, and we're available to answer any questions you may have. If you're ever in or near the Kaneohe area, we'd love to have you join us for our worship services. Feel free to invite your family and friends, too. And be sure to let us know that you're a listener of In Spirit and Truth when you visit. Find out more about Calvary Chapel Kaneohe at our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. Thanks for being part of our study here today. We hope you'll tune in next time to learn more from the book of Ecclesiastes with Pastor J.D. Right here on In Spirit and Truth.